G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Paul, this is a very exciting event that you guys are running. And uh, the reason why we're talking about this today is because you've pulled out all stops. You're doing something pretty, pretty amazing because it's not just a mock trial with a bunch of actors in roles. Uh, Tell us how you're putting this whole event together. What's it all about? Well, um, it's going to be as close to a real trial as we can. So conversations that I've been having with them, Skeptics uh, often uh, I share that it's like we're in the um, in the jury, and this is a a real decision that we have to make um, according to the best evidence and the the reason that God's given to us. Um, and then I discover that there's uh, a few books out there um, doing that same mental experiment of imagine if we were in the jury and we were looking at Jesus, what conclusion would we reach just according to the evidence? And so we thought, well, let's do it as a, um, a real trial where the audience can hear the experts, um, real barristers, a real judge overseeing the case, uh, real expert witnesses will be called. Uh, and then at the end of the night, the audience will be invited to um, deliberate and uh, reach their decision. Okay, let's talk about your uh, people who are in- included in this trial because, mm. as you say, you've got a real judge sitting on the bench and you've got That's real right, yeah. barristers on both sides of the argument. Who have you got mm. lined up? Well, there's a um, uh, Western Australian judge, uh, Justice Kenneth Martin from the Supreme Court. Um, he's been a, a judge for a number of years and so is used to... Um, uh, applying the laws of evidence to uh, trying to um, reach conclusions, and he has kindly agreed to um, to oversee the case. So it's going to be his job to um, assess what evidence is admissible uh, in court in this court, uh, and the barrister's position will be to um, to argue both sides of the case. So on the um, the affirmative, arguing for the plaintiff is a Christian barrister. His name is Ian Davidson, and he's a senior counsel. He's been uh, a barrister for about 20 years, a lawyer for longer, and uh, has an interest, a keen interest in the question, as does the barrister for the defendants, who's arguing the negative, that Jesus didn't rise from the dead. He's a skeptic. He's a, um, an atheist, a member of Australian Skeptics. He's their, their treasurer of Australian Skeptics Incorporated. And uh, is interested in this question because he sees its importance that um, whether Jesus rose from the dead or not is life-changing. Interesting, isn't it? Because it's important for the sceptics to try and win their side of the case. And I know that there's been these sorts of things done before, and typically it's been people who've been, uh, you know, uh, enthusiasts when it comes to the resurrection. But certainly this time you've got real professionals who have a point to prove and they've got something to lose. Uh, That's an important element of this case, isn't it? Yeah, I guess um, I really respect uh, Martin Hadley, who is the barrister for um, 
the defendant because he sees the importance of this question. He sees that um, if Jesus rose from the dead, then uh, he is who he claimed to be and we need to, uh, to listen to him and follow him. And he sees that if uh, Jesus didn't rise, then the Christian claim is hollow. And, uh, well, I mean, the Bible itself says that Christianity is a waste of time if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. So uh, I respect that um, on both sides of the case, the barristers see the importance of the question and uh, that it, it shapes our whole lives. Let me ask you about the trial, because you're talking about having, uh, you know, setting up a courtroom, basically, where procedures are going to be applied in contemporary secular courts. Now, this this might be a little different to first century in the way that they might have looked at it then. How much importance is there in the fact that uh, we're going to be talking about these things in our contemporary context, our contemporary context of Australian courts? Yep. So I think... uh the popular misconception about history and this claim about the resurrection is that people back in the first century were uh, gullible or superstitious and uh, believed uh, any irrational notion that came their way. Um, and so I guess this, this case is an attempt to accommodate to um, uh, the modern uh, way of looking at things and that we respect courts and uh, the way they make their decisions. We have to abide by them. And so we wanted to use the, the um, more rigorous methods of uh, contemporary courts to assess this historical question. And courts aren't in a position where they can just um, dismiss eyewitness testimony because they... Uh, think that it's ancient or uh, superstitious. They're a bit more um, thoroughgoing than that. If you want to dismiss eyewitnesses who carefully recorded what they saw, uh, if you want to dismiss um, uh, secondary sources who carefully investigated what they heard, then you've got to make a case for that. And um, it's not an easy thing to do to dismiss the resurrection. And uh, that's what this, this case is about. It's starting with Uh, modern scepticism but really putting it to the test and saying well here's here's a way that our uh, society our culture assesses truth let's play that through let's um, put the best arguments on both sides and see what conclusion it leads us to well, Paul, opening our talkback lines, giving listeners an opportunity to contribute to our conversation today, and you've raised a very important point. I mean, who has the most to lose in this particular challenge? And listeners might have their own perspectives. Who has the most to lose uh, in a court setting which puts Jesus' resurrection on trial? Well, our talkback line is open, one 800 Call through and let us know what you think. Uh, You might have uh, some other things to contribute. Uh, What is the strongest evidence for you that Jesus was resurrected? Uh, You may be more on the sceptic side. Well, what's the biggest blockage for you who uh, maybe believe that the resurrection didn't actually happen? Call us through 1-800-316-316. Our talkback line is open. Paul Whitfield uh, from City Bible Forum in Perth. Let me just bring you uh, to uh, what the Bible teaches about the the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Just how important is it uh, for Christians to understand that this resurrection actually happened? Mm. 
while uh, from the Bible's perspective, it's um, it's essential. So uh, one of the most important passages that will be coming up in our case is uh, written was written by Paul, who initially was a skeptic of the resurrection. In fact, he wanted to um, wipe out the rumor that Jesus had been raised from the dead, uh, and came face to face with Jesus himself. He was uh, he experienced the resurrection of Jesus and. He wrote in um, a letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15, that if Christ isn't raised, then our faith as Christians is futile. Um, that if it's if it isn't for if the resurrection didn't happen, then um, we might as well eat and drink and be merry, uh, because this life is all there is. So even from you know the uh, the early decades of Christianity. Um, Christians were proclaim, proclaiming that uh, this resurrection is, is central. If it didn't happen, then uh, we would be better off spending our time doing other things. And Paul, it is one of those questions, isn't it, that it doesn't matter how you come to faith in Christ, eventually you get to a point where you say, well, you know, is this really all it's cracked up to be? Is the evidence truly there for a resurrected Jesus? Because if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then as you say, as the Apostle Paul said, our faith is in vain. It's uh, it's mm-hmm. futile. It's, it's pitiful, in fact. So, uh, so it's very important for Christians to argue this case. Yeah, so I guess that comes in in different ways. My personal experience was uh, coming from outside of faith. I wasn't raised in a believing family. And so whether this was true was the the turning point for me. Um, If it wasn't true, then I wasn't going to to live it. Um, Because it is true, I am living it. Uh, But the the challenge comes to every Christian, whether it's from um, a sceptical friend or a colleague, uh, or whether it's from their own personal experience of um, facing suffering, uh, realizing our mortality, uh, coming to to grips with the the question of death and what lies after it, if anything lies after it, is um, essential for life. And uh, I agree with you, Neil, that um, it's a question everyone needs to ask at some point and a question that um, most people already have asked. Well, it is a significant thing that is going to be on in Perth at the Riverside Theatre, Perth Convention and Exhibition Centre on the 21st of May. And it'll be a three-hour court battle that will be going on with real barristers and a real judge on the bench. It's going to cost you $30 a head to get into that, for perhaps for listeners who are in WA. Of course, uh, contributing to our conversation today costs nothing. 1-800-316-316. Who has the most to lose in this whole court battle? Uh, What, for you, is the strongest evidence for the resurrection? And if you're a sceptic, what's the biggest blockage? Uh, that keeps you from believing in the resurrection. 1-800-316-316 is our number. Let's take a call from June, Kingston in Tasmania. Hello, June. Welcome along to 2020. Thank you. Hi. June, what are your thoughts on our um, topic of conversation? more of a comment. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was thinking if, um, if the setting's not going to be a biblical setting, if it's going to be in a court, a contemporary setting, then... This is taking it completely out of context and the the end result will be irrelevant anyway, whatever the result. Okay, let's hear from our guest Paul Whitfield. Uh, Paul, given that there is a a difference in the context, uh, does that uh, that upset the way that the outcome might go? I agree that um, the ultimate authority in um, 
understanding the truth is the Bible. That's the conclusion that I've reached. Um, but it's often a, a voyage or a journey for people to reach that conclusion. So in the first century, as um, Christianity spread across the ancient world, uh, different people came to faith through different paths. So we mentioned Paul, who wrote a lot of the New Testament. He um, uh, was initially a skeptic, and uh, argument and reasoning didn't break through to him. It took quite a personal experience that God gave to him. Um, he read the Old Testament, but he hadn't reached the conclusion that Jesus was the Christ until he saw him face to face. Um, and then Paul went around uh, reasoning wherever he could. So obviously he went to uh, the biblical context of the day. He went to the synagogues and reasoned with them from the scriptures. But he also went to uh, the philosophers and the marketplaces and spoke with people uh, wherever he found them. Uh, so, And in his, his uh, reasoning, you see him using uh, contemporary uh, standards of philosophy. He certainly uh, recognises the Bible is the ultimate authority and um, it's the Bible that stands over any conclusion that this court might, um, uh, might reach. But uh, it's an attempt to reach people where they're at. June, still got you on the line. Mm, yeah. uh, is, there a, is there a better way uh, to be able to talk about this type of topic? Did you have something else in mind? Um, no, I didn't have anything else in mind except um, for me personally. Um, I really feel we need to keep um, what happened to Jesus in the, in the time, in, in um, connection with what was happening in the law, in the authorities, uh, because it all had a part in what happened, played a part in what happened to Jesus. And the fact that he mm. said he was the son of God to the people of that time is what resulted in his death. I guess us talking about this, uh, we're talking about this uh, 2,000 years later. I guess we've got to talk about it in a way that uh, we would understand the evidence. And I I suppose, uh, Paul Whitfield, uh, having a court setting where you've got professional lawyers who are involved actually uh, does add an extra light to uh, what we might understand about those first century settings. Mm. Oh, no, I agree with what um, what Jean is saying in terms of uh, Jesus' resurrection has to be seen in its context. So uh, you could reach the conclusion that Jesus rose from the dead and still not see him for who he is. Uh, there's a, um, a Jewish historian, Pincus Lapide, who wrote a, um, a book looking at Jesus' resurrection and reached the conclusion that God had raised him from the dead or that he had uh, been raised from the dead. And the unfortunate result was that he just reinvented his Judaism to accommodate this fact rather than reaching the conclusion of the Old Testament that uh, this man is the Christ. So there's only so far that the law or history can take us. Um, The case is seeking a a declaration or City Bible Forum is seeking a, a declaration from the court that Jesus rose from the dead. But that itself is... Um, not enough to save. Uh, It'll have to be seen in the context of the Bible, uh, which is that God had promised that uh, a king would come who would rule forever, that he'd be able to rule forever because he would conquer death, uh, and that Jesus' resurrection identifies him as this king. So I I completely agree with June that um, Jesus' resurrection has to be seen in its, um, its context, in terms of the Jewish law, what God had spoken in the Old Testament. Um, And so 
this is really just a touching point. It's a starting point for sceptics who might come along. Uh, if you use history or if you use uh, our contemporary laws and laws of evidence, uh, then you can reach this conclusion that it's most likely that Jesus was, was raised, that he rose from the dead. Uh, what it means and what it means for our lives uh, is the next step. Well, June from Kingston in Tasmania, thanks so much for your comments. Uh, let's hear from Craig in Wimmera. Hello, Craig. Welcome along to 2020. Hello, Neil. Uh, I've rang you before. Um, I've rang you a bit early today, so That's all I right. might be able to speak a bit slower today. Well, Craig, what are your thoughts? Yeah, thanks, Neil and Paul. Um, uh, just um, in agreement with Paul, uh, uh, basically the Bible is, you know, Bible, basic instructions before leaving earth. Uh, Jesus came on this earth to teach people uh, instructions how to live. Um, and, uh, you know, what's happening currently worldwide, you know, God's wrath, you know, if people, nations disobey God, well, uh, actions will be taken. And, you know, just referring to the Sydney Mardi Gras, for example, not long after that, there was a bad storms and it caused millions and millions of dollars damage. There's one example. You know, God is love, First Corinthians 13. Um, uh, the organisers are being judged. Uh, uh, Isaiah 9-6. Uh, Craig, I guess there's, there's some significant things that we could discuss uh, with those sorts of arguments. Uh, so far as this resurrection goes, uh, Paul, did you have any thoughts on what Craig was sharing? Yeah, that um, uh, the Bible doesn't tell us everything um, that we could possibly know but it does give us those basic instructions before leaving earth and uh, before we um, before we die we an important question to ask ourselves is is there anything after this life and uh, if there is am I ready for it and Jesus resurrection really tells us there is uh, God has power even over death and some of the um, the Old Testament background that uh, June was perhaps referring to is that um, the resurrection doesn't just show us that Jesus is the king, uh, it tells us that he is the judge, he's the one that we're going to face. So the most basic instruction that we need before leaving earth is um, how to be ready to, to meet Jesus. Okay, well thank you so much to Craig from Wimmera for your input into today's conversation about the resurrection. We're talking about an event that is being planned in WA. It's coming up on the 21st of May. Now, I guess for those who are in the eastern or central states, you're not likely to be able to get there, but there might be listeners around Western Australia and and uh, just for everybody's information, more than 100 uh, cities, towns and communities around WA listening into our conversation today and uh, you might be be able to make your way to the Riverside Theatre, the Perth Convention and Exhibition Centre, to be a part of this courtroom battle. It is going to be the courtroom battle of the year, if not the courtroom battle of the past 2,000 years. Did Jesus rise from the dead? Uh, for people who are listening in WA, you can go to jesusontrial.org.au to find yourself a ticket uh, to this event. Uh, let me ask you, Paul, before we go any further, and we've been talking about the barristers uh, putting each side of the argument the judge who is sitting on the bench 
uh, is a Supreme Court judge and uh, 20 years himself as a barrister. How important is it to have a, a judge who will actually you know, keep the whole argument moving and keeping it in line with, I guess, our contemporary standards in courts? Yeah, so it, it's potential that this could get quite bogged down. There's been um, uh, books written about this topic and uh, a phenomena of um, atheism has been described as the new atheism, which has come up um, in the past 10 years, 10, 15 years, since September 11, which uh, has a lot of objections about Christianity. And uh, Christians haven't been perfect. In fact, their message is that no one's perfect. And so Christians have made mistakes, and uh, the new atheism is quite antagonistic towards religion in general and Christianity in particular. Um, so... Uh, if if there was uh, antagonistic parties involved, then we could get quite bogged down on the specific uh, rules of evidence and how they apply, and that's that's the job of the judge. The judge has to rule, has to decide beforehand um, what uh, uh, evidence is admissible. So, for instance, um, John for me is the the strongest evidence for the resurrection. Um, he was there uh, with Jesus for three years, and he reports what he saw. Um, but there are people out there who would object that John wasn't an eyewitness and he shouldn't be admitted in, into court. Uh, it's, if that kind of argument is presented by um, uh, Martin, the uh, barrister for the defendant, then it's up to the judge to make the ruling. Um, but we've all seen the crime shows and we know um, when the, uh, the barristers get called into chambers uh, if you make a, a silly argument, then it does kind of discredit you with the judge and he um, starts to think that you're just being antagonistic. Uh, I think the arguments of Martin will be much more um, sound. Uh, so it's the judge's uh, role to decide what evidence is presented to the jury, what evidence will be presented on the night to the audience, who then will have to um, deliberate and decide. I'm interested, actually, Paul, in is there any rules for the audience on the night? Because uh, I suspect if you walk into one of our Australian courts of law, you're under uh, you know, pretty strict uh, rulings. Uh, the judge certainly has all control. Uh, what sort of expectation might you have on people who are sitting in there as the audience on the night? And perhaps, you know, I'm just thinking, well, what happens if there's a whole bunch of hecklers there? And, uh, mm. and things start to get out of control, and, uh, and the judge might well be, you know, uh, rattling the gavel on the bench, saying "order in the court." Uh, but are you going to be are you going to be uh, uh, schooling the audience uh, as they go in? Uh, that uh, you know, what sort of what are the rules of engagement here? Yeah, so the audience, like a um, a jury, will be invited to solemnly and sincerely declare that they will give a true verdict according to the evidence. So there'll certainly be no heckling from the floor. Um, any of that behaviour would be removed. Yes. And uh, more than that, we're not expecting people to come along having prejudged this case, whether Christian or um, sceptic. We'd like people to genuinely commit themselves to uh, judging the case on the evidence that's presented. And, I... Um, yeah, I imagine that there'd be uh, there'd be promotion happening. Here we are talking about the event, and uh, I guess uh, we would, uh, if it all boils down, we're encouraging Christians in WA to actually be there in force, uh, to be a part of the audience on the night. I suspect the atheist side, the sceptic side, they're also doing their own promotion to make sure that their own people are turning out in force to be a part of that audience. 
so I'm involved in a, um, a book club, which is mainly atheists and uh, a couple of agnostics and a few Christians. And um, we're certainly all excited about the idea and, and spreading the word. Uh, and uh, we would invite everyone, whatever their position, uh, if you see that this is an important question, please do be there. Um, the, like a, a normal jury would, they'll hear the, the audience will hear the evidence on the night and the invitation for the audience will be to join a deliberation group, uh, join a, a, a jury of 12 people who can discuss the evidence and uh, then reach their verdict. And Christianity is spread because of God's kindness in revealing himself in uh, human history, revealing himself in his words and by his spirit. But he hasn't done it in a corner. He's done it out in public. And so the evidence, um, in my experience, and in the growth of the church has spoken for itself. It's Neil with you. Good to have you along with us. The Monday edition of 2020, and we're talking through what's happening in Perth coming up on the 21st of May. They have an event organised, and it's organised by the City Bible Forum in Perth. It's all about the trial of Jesus, and the trial, of course, all about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, You may have thought through these issues fairly deeply. Maybe you haven't thought through the issue as much as you perhaps think you might or might be ideal. Well, you can be a part of our conversation today. We are talking about this trial with real barristers and a real Supreme Court judge sitting uh, on the uh, the trial and your opportunity to be a part of the jury on the night. Uh, 1-800-316-316 if you'd like to be part of our conversation. Our special guest this hour is Paul Whitfield. He's the Perth Director of the City Bible Forum. Uh, Paul, when we talk about the sorts of things that'll happen on the night, uh, the the evidence that will be presented from both sides. Uh, how do you, in, in a nutshell, what sort of things are you expecting will be talked about? Well, the, um, the strongest <clears throat> evidence that will come from the Christians is the eyewitnesses, which is really core to um, the way our, our law works, the way history works, uh, and the way God has revealed himself. He revealed himself uh, to 12 men um, in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. And so the, the centre of the Christian case will be the, um, the eyewitnesses. But um, uh, I've been on a, a, a journey learning more about some um, law and uh, laws of evidence and have been surprised to hear that hearsay is often admissible. Um, if uh, you, Neil, have heard me say something, uh, then that can be used to strengthen a case. Uh, and documents are often admissible. We've got a lot of documents about Jesus, even written by non-Christians and people who didn't like Christianity. Uh, and archaeology things um, uh, is uh, used, is admissible as evidence, which we have archaeology from the first century, to be, um, which can be used to assess the reliability of the eyewitnesses. And circumstantial evidence um, is actually, it can be quite, strong it's not conclusive but if i saw you neil walking with a bloody knife next to the murder scene then um that would be good circumstantial evidence to suggest that um you were involved Mm. so the the uh five types of evidence which are mainly used in our courts can be presented by the christians for their case and um the skeptical arguments uh i guess it can kind of run two ways it's really up to to martin uh to put together his case but the, for me personally, uh, the strongest arguments that I've heard to refute the resurrection or to at least 
uh, argue against it have been um, the uh, apparent contradictions in the eyewitness testimony. You read Matthew, Mark, Luke and John back to back and there's uh, some things that need to be reconciled. Uh, or, uh, and this has certainly been um, argued in the past, uh, the idea that miracles just can't happen. You know, um, 20 billion people have died in the past. Um, none of them are alive now. Uh, so this is um, one chance in 20 billion um, to start with. Now, there's some, some big problems with that <laughs> that logic, but um, it could perhaps be presented in, in one form or another. Well, interesting to just raise those issues in our conversation today because these are important questions that a lot of people who are sceptics to Christianity might be asking. And uh, these sorts of things are likely to be raised on the night in your trial. Uh, let's mm. invite listeners to be part of our conversation. one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. You might have your own thoughts on what might the strongest arguments be from the sceptics' side and what might the strongest argument be for you on the sides of Jesus being resurrected. one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. if you'd like to be part of our conversation. Joseph is on the line from Ingham in North Queensland. Hello, Joseph. Welcome along. G'day, Neil. Great to hear from you, Joseph. What are your thoughts on our discussion today? Oh, I was just very interested because we had this discussion quite a few years ago and we used the book, Josh McDowell, Mac, McDowell's book, on uh, evidence that demands a verdict. I think Paul would know about it if he's been in a book club. Yes, well, it's a very famous book, in fact, I think in Christian apologetics circles. Uh, Josh yeah. McDowell, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. Uh, there'd, there'd be lots of resources. And he's got a, in Chapter 10, he's got a really good section on the resurrection of hoax or history. Mm. And I don't know how you thought when you read through that. I mean, we've got the seal of God and we've got numerics with Bullinger. But this one here was very, very deep and... And it deals with what you were just saying about, um, you know, the hoax where the Gospels seem to give a little bit conflicting evidence. Mm. So what did you think um, about that book? Paul? Well, uh, interesting, you um, you mentioned that book. It was quite influential for me when I became a Christian. So when I first looked at the Bible, I came from quite a, um, a sceptical background and... Um, uh, I read a few books around, written by historians or uh, others interested in this field and found them quite persuasive. I came to that same conclusion that this was either a hoax, uh, in my mind, um, pulled off by the disciples, or history. Uh, I know there's different kind of forms of that hoax hypothesis, if you like, that hoax idea, but um, it certainly... Uh, for me, the independence of the sources, and uh, they very carefully, when you read John or when you read um, Mark or Matthew or Luke, they're just very carefully recording what was seen, what was heard. I appeared as a witness on a case um, a number of years ago, and my dad gave me some golden advice. He said, only report what you saw and you heard. And that is the that is the mark of a, a good witness, and it's what the judge looks for. It's what the jury is instructed to look for. If they're just telling you what they saw, see and heard, and for me, um, John is doing exactly that. Years later, he's told this story a number of times. He's just saying exactly he ran fastest, he got to the tomb first, but he didn't go inside. Peter, 
the older guy, took a little while, he got there, he went in, and this is exactly what they saw. And the, um, the historian, uh, Edwin Judge, who will be called by the Christian barrister, uh, has been spending his, he's spent his entire life working as a historian. He's been a professor of history for 40 years. His strongest reason for believing the resurrection as a historian is the integrity of these witnesses. And for him, the discrepancies in the accounts, the fact that they need to be um, harmonised or fitted together, points very strongly to their independence. And he's not alone. You know, most historians who just practice their craft, apply the methods of history, reach the same conclusion that we have very strong uh, evidence from witnesses as to what they saw and heard. And the facts of this trial are undisputed amongst historians that the tomb was empty and the disciples saw Jesus alive again after he'd been crucified. Joseph from Ingham, Ingham in North Queensland. Joseph, thanks so much for your input today here on 2020. Uh, this idea of expert witnesses, and you're talking about the historian that will be called in, uh, the sceptics mm. The skeptics have their own expert witness too. What, what, is, what is that person doing, or, or what are they so likely the, to contribute? Um, yeah, he will be, he's a philosopher, um, Peter Slezak. He's an uh, associate professor at the University of New South Wales, and uh, he... Uh, will speak as a um, materialist. So he believes uh, that there is nothing in the universe apart from atoms bumping together. Uh, and so he will um, uh, speak about philosophical reasons for doubting the resurrection. He's been engaging with Christianity for a while. He's been in a couple of debates uh, with William Lane Craig, a, a famous Christian um, speaker, uh, and again, a man that I respect hugely because of his uh, engagement with this issue and his realisation that this really is an important question. Um, if Jesus rose from the dead, it changes everything. So I can't speak for Peter uh, and certainly uh, wouldn't want to represent his case uh, in that he will do a better job of it than I can. So very excited that Peter Slezak will be involved in the case and uh, looking forward to what he has to say as a philosopher about the possibility of the resurrection. Well, you can be a part of our conversation today. Still time to call on 1-800-316-316. We're talking through some issues to do with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because in Perth, on the 21st of May, at the Riverside Theatre, the Perth Convention and Exhibition Centre, there's a very serious mock trial that's going on. Uh, with a real Supreme Court judge on the bench, with real barristers on both sides and with real expert witnesses coming from an historian's perspective uh, on the side of uh, of saying, yes, the resurrection happened, uh, and then, of course, a philosopher on the side of, no, the resurrection didn't happen or couldn't happen. Well, you can be a part of our conversation, one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. What's the strongest evidence for you that Jesus was resurrected? If you're coming from the sceptic side or you want to perhaps uh, think about what the sceptics might argue, what's the biggest blockage uh, to believing in the resurrection? one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. 316 316
1-800-316-316 is the number. Paul, we were talking a little bit about uh, books and things that people read, and there are those famous books like Josh McDowell that we were talking about. What other sorts of materials have you looked at? Uh, and somebody mentioned to me, you know, the Lee Strobel uh, account mm. of uh, the resurrection. There are a lot of great uh, academic resources that have really tackled this topic. So um, the case for Christ by Lee Strobel is obviously fantastic. He was uh, not just a, um, a journalist, but he was a legal journalist. So he would follow cases and report them. And uh, that was part of what equipped him then to assess the resurrection. So uh, a fantastic book. The history of this um, stretches back a fair way to a, um, a gentleman called Simon Greenleaf, who was a, um, a professor of law and wrote what still is, um, you know, one of those uh, foundational books for um, uh, assessing evidence. Uh, he wrote a four-volume work on the laws of evidence um, in uh, the UK, but he was a Christian and then wrote a companion volume, which is thankfully shorter, uh, called the, um, the Evidence of the Evangelists or the Testimony of the Evangelists, as assessed using the laws of evidence applied in secular courts. So he wrote a companion book to see, given that we, um, we're using these laws in courts to make important decisions, and we've thought very hard about this, uh, I've written a four-volume book on this, how would these laws of evidence apply to assessing the resurrection or assessing Jesus' life? Uh, and that book really kicked it off for um, Lee Strobel and... Uh, Joshua McDowell and many others who've written similar books. He's really the grandfather of this court case. Uh, and since him, there's been a, um, uh, a number of, of good books. Uh, Faith on Trial is a recent one. Uh, and really just doing the same thing of uh, starting with the trustworthiness of our courts and using their approach to assess Jesus' life, death and resurrection. 1-800-316-316 if you'd like to be part of our conversation let's hear from Giovanni on the Gold Coast Hello Giovanni, welcome along to 2020 Thank you, how are you? Good? Very well, what are your thoughts on what we're talking about today? Well, well, I'm an evangelist and, and uh, I disagree with the whole thing that you, what you're doing um, because uh, God's word's not up for debate it's, it's, it's God's inspired word, the Bible there's 66 books, 40 authors and it's the Holy Spirit that has a conversion on people's hearts. Um, one thing I'd like to say is, um, in the case where you're saying there's a judge there, we want to make, you want to make sure that he's, he's not a Christian because he's going to be biased. Is he atheist? Is he agnostic? Is he a Christian? You know, people are going to look at that and say, well, hang on, yeah, he's, going to, he's agreeing because he's a Christian. Uh, well, let's get Paul's thoughts. Uh, Paul, what, uh, do you know what sort of leaning the judge has? No, no, I don't. I don't know whether he's a, um, a Christian or not, but um, uh, his role in any case is to uh, use the laws of evidence to work out what is presented to the jury. Um, so I understand that there will be people who will uh, complain about some, uh, the case and what's presented on either or both sides or... Uh, about any decision, prior decision that the judge will make. Uh, but um, the concept of a judge is that um, 
they're meant to be above reproach, and if they're not, then uh, that's that's a problem. <laughs> so I think the, um, the the complaints that I'm expecting will come more from arguments presented uh, than the role that the judge plays. I've got to say, Giovanni, that I do agree with you that yeah. the Bible is inspired and it is the most trustworthy way of knowing anything. How do you know uh, that Jesus rose from the dead? Because the Bible says so, and it was written by God who knows everything. Uh, that's right. the, the most reliable way of reaching conclusions, and the Holy Spirit is essential in that role. Uh, I would never have read the Bible if it wasn't for the work of the Holy Spirit convicting me of my sin. Um, the Bible does tell us more about how we know stuff, and that compared to the Bible, even the smartest judge and the best court in the world is foolish. Although God has given us judges and courts for a reason, and we can use the reason that God has given to us, although it's not 100% reliable, we can use it to reach conclusions. And in fact, God wants us to use our minds. Uh, and what the Bible tells us um, fits perfectly with uh, reason if we follow it through to its conclusion and in fact encourages us to use our heart and our soul and our strength and our mind uh, to love God and seek after the truth. Giovanni from the Gold Coast, thanks so much for your input today here on 2020. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. We are talking about putting Jesus' resurrection on trial, as they will be doing in Perth on the 21st of May. Get some tickets at jesusontrial.org.au for listeners in WA. Uh, our special guest this hour, Paul Whitfield, Perth Director of the City Bible Forum. Let's take another call. Uh, let's hear from Phil, who's in Esperance in WA. Hello, Phil. Welcome along to 2020. Hi, good morning. Phil, what are your thoughts on this uh, this whole trial that's going on uh, that will be staged uh, on the 21st of May? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a really positive move. Um, there's always going to be, you know, be people out there who suggest that we shouldn't be challenging um, God's Word, and I totally agree with that. At the same time, there's a lot of people out there who just do not believe full stop. And um, if you even get through to one person who listens and and they're brought to God, and that is a, a fantastic um, outcome. But the um, the point I'm, I'm ringing to make is, um, as an ex-police officer, I'd like to suggest that, that the fact that if all of the disciples' accounts were identical, then that would actually lose credibility. Um, the amount of uh, crimes that were investigated in my time, if you had four, five, six witnesses, and they all came together with exactly the same account, then you would question, have these guys sat down? Have they all seen the same event, or are they actually colluding together? So the fact that you've got different accounts, they've seen the same thing, um, you never get four or five different people seeing the same thing, giving exactly the same account, and I think it actually gives gives uh, strength and support uh, to, to the accounts as a whole. Well, great to hear from you, Phil, and good insight there, and uh, a very quick response from Paul. Well, Phil, are you um, available to appear as an expert witness on the 21st? <laughs> I'll have to get back to you on that one. I think I might actually be in England at the time. 
guys. It's a shorter drive to Perth than it is to England, actually. But, uh, look, Phil, thank you so much for that. I haven't got a lot of time to uh, to tackle some of the things that you were saying and uh, because we've just got to draw things to uh, a conclusion. Uh, but very important. Uh, interestingly, uh, Paul, if we talk about uh, someone like Phil in Esperance or others who might be in different towns and communities around WA, I guess you'd be hoping that people will jump in cars and uh, bring groups to, to be a part of this event. Oh, definitely. So, um uh, we've had people travel for previous events and they've, um, they've loved their time and we've put it on in the evening so it'll be accessible 7 till 10pm, accessible to people who are outside of Perth and um, yeah, hopefully it's, it's something that uh, Phil can come up from Esperance for. <laughs> let me just uh, let bring you back to the, you know, the essence of what you're doing, just how important is this issue of the resurrection and for people to, uh, to grapple with it, uh, to be involved in the argument, to have their own questions settled, to have their mm. own doubts uh, quenched. How important is it for people to be focused on this, uh, this understanding of the reality of the resurrection? Well, Luke, who um, wrote Luke and Act, was in a similar position to us. He heard reports of the resurrection and then investigated things carefully uh, so that he could have certainty, but he wrote his book so that we could have certainty about the resurrection. And uh, the Christian life faith in Jesus is that we're uh, ready. For, we've got our instructions, our basic instructions for leaving earth. If we know that Jesus is king and we need his forgiveness, we need to ask him forgiveness before we see him face to face. Uh, Luke would encourage us to uh, dig a little bit deeper so that we can know that for sure. Uh, and in Acts chapter 17, he records that uh, same word about certainty when he says, God has given proof uh, that Jesus is our judge by raising him from the dead. Okay, so let's just uh, let's talk about sure. the, the details. Uh, it's going to be on Thursday night, the 21st of May, at the Riverside Centre, Perth Convention and Exhibition Centre, there is a ticket price, and you need to book a ticket in advance at jesusontrial.org.au. Uh, Paul Whitfield, the Perth Director of the City Bible Forum, our guest this hour. Paul, just a pleasure talking through these things. All the best for the event. Uh, keep us Thank up to date. Know. Keep us up to date in the lead up. Will do. Thank you very much. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts, or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.